You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in it for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, if you want to text the show, you can text us at 865-658-5824. Again, that number is 865-658-5824. The lines have been lit up. Love the communication we have with the listeners. It's been great. Uh, learning a lot from you guys. Uh, loving hearing your opinions on uh, draft prospects and and maybe what the Packers may or may not do in free agency, what might happen with Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about everything in that text thread, which is really, really cool. Um, we've got people from Connecticut, Kansas, uh, Canada, Washington, Long Island, uh, here in Tennessee where I'm at. We actually had somebody text from Australia. Don't know what that cost, but unless he's uh, hacked into the system somehow, I imagine it did cost a little bit more with that international charge with text of course if he's using something like google um google text I, I, maybe it doesn't matter where you're at i'm just not technologically advanced enough to answer that question or have a uh, an accurate opinion i should say so uh, with that being said we've got a lot to cover today man we're going to try to keep it short and sweet my goal is 30 to 45 minutes for this show let's just get right into it let's start off with a packers daily video from uh, Packers.com and uh, the Green Bay Packers official YouTube page. And this is the guys just kind of talking about rookies from last year, as well as kind of touching on, uh, you know, some of the information for the combine. Of course, you guys know we're recording this on Sunday. You may be listening on Monday at the workday. We'll get it out Sunday afternoon, though. Um, there's uh, some more combine drills going on. So we're updating the RAS scores. So we're going to cover the top uh, top prospects in the RAS scores. Uh, meaning a uh, relative athletic score coming from the combine. Of course, that's going to be updated as we go along. This is very early in the process, but just kind of giving you guys a flash into the freak athletes that are in this draft. And then we're going to talk about my updated board, what I call my critical board, and uh, kind of give you guys an idea of, of how the clusters of tiers with specific positions, whether it's a an elite position, quarterback, offensive tackle or edge um, kind of fall into place. And then also um, when we pick at number 15, how, you know, what prospects do we anticipate being available and then who might slide down that would be a position of interest for the Packers, uh, whether it be one of those elite positions, which every team's always looking to add an elite tackle, an elite quarterback, and an elite edge rusher. But also we're going to throw in the mix wide receiver, tight end, that type of thing, kind of give you guys an idea of what the board looks like now. And there's a few questions that have been answered that we're going to kind of hit on. Again, it's early in the process, but let's go to Packers.com and let's see what the guys had to say about last year's rookies. 
I thought the guys that we, we took last year really fit into the team well. I, I love the way they worked and capitalized on the opportunities that they, they had and learned from the mistakes that they made. So it was a good group, and I, I'm really excited for their growth into year two. Um, but if we could follow that up with a similar class, I think we'd all be happy. Brian Gutekunst's 2022 draft class featuring ascending playmakers on both sides of the ball. On offense, Christian Watson posted the third most TD receptions by a Packers rookie in team history. Watson's got a little time to go Watson again! Touchdown Green Bay! Linebacker Quay Walker also made his presence felt, registering the fifth most tackles by a Green Bay rookie since 1975. Flashing across the line! Wow! Quay Walker! Here at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, a new crop of NFL talent takes center stage with the all-important on-field drills. Defenders participate in drills this Thursday and Friday. Then it's time for the offensive stars to shine. Quarterbacks, wideouts, and tight ends perform Saturday. Offensive linemen and running backs will wrap things up on Sunday. And speaking of RBs, Captain Aaron Jones was on the receiving end of some high praise from Brian Gutekunst. Aaron is such a dynamic football player. Um, you know, having him back there, not only in the run game, but in the, in the pass game as well. Uh, his experience and explosiveness um, just, I think, you know, puts our team in the best you know, spot to take advantage of that, his skill set. And I just think, um, you know, we're really appreciative of being able to keep him around. All right, good stuff there. Now, let's kind of talk about some of the things that they covered in that video real quick. Uh, Christian Watson tied the NFL uh, rookie receivers uh, with receiving touchdowns at seven. Um, some other numbers that kind of uh, got cracked there that, that you know, uh, it's been a long time since a rookie receiver has done. Right. And uh, at least on the Packers. And you didn't even see Tay break into the lineup like this. And, and uh, granted, the, the wide receiver group was very stout at the time. It was a very, uh, very heavy, uh, top heavy, I should say, room when Tay came into the league. But still, I mean, uh, the numbers are the numbers. Right. And uh, when you look at what Christian Watson did and with limited time, that's what's crazy is, you know, he was hurt early in the season. He got hurt a little bit later in the season and he missed significant time. And to still put up those kind of numbers, it's pretty darn exciting. It really is. You know, Quay Walker's another one they talked about. With Quay, 119 tackles, seven passes to, uh, defended, and then three forced fumbles. He was named to the all-rookie team, right? And, and I know he made the the boneheaded mental mistakes there at the end of the season, right? And you guys know how I feel about that, where I stand on that. I felt bad for him. Um, yeah, he made multiple. He made that same mistake multiple times throughout the year. But, man, seeing him go down that tunnel and beating himself up was like, this kid really cares. And and that – I didn't come away from that situation going, God, that was a wasted pick. I came away going, that dude cares. He's emotional. We've got to harness that. But you see that emotion when he makes tackles. I said it on every postgame show this year that Quay played in the game. It's like, man, when he gets to the ball carrier, he is violent. He is coming with an attitude. He's coming with a – uh, you know, an attitude of finishing. It's not going to be one of those things where he's playing patty cake and hand checking to try to make the tackle. He's attacking the football. Um, that's exciting to me. Now, his PFF grade was really, really low, right? And when I looked on tape, there was many times that I seen him get washed out of the play. But when you have those kind of numbers when it comes to, and I'm not a big tackle number guy, but the big thing for me was the passes defended, 
because you've had guys blow up with tackle numbers, right? But then you see them in the passing game and, and covering, and you could tell they're a liability. With Quay, you never felt like he was a liability in the passing game. If anything, he was a strength. Like, I feel like he is better at playing the pass than he is the run. And that doesn't mean from a tackle standpoint. It simply means from um, staying schematically sound and being able to use your agility, using your mobility, using, you know, all those physical tools and traits that, that Gutekunst drafted him for to be able to cover tight ends, to be able to even cover receivers coming over into their zone when they're playing that double rack coverage. Like there's a lot of things that Quay does really well um, in, in pass defense, I personally believe. But get those things cleaned up. Like Goody alluded to, you're going to have one complete offseason, and these guys are going to get better. So I'm excited about Quay. You know, one they didn't mention, but they showed on the highlight reel there that you guys couldn't see, obviously, listening to the pod, um, Devontae Wyatt. Um, you know, they showed him make a tackle or two. And, you know, he had limited time, which is still baffling to me because, you know, Ryan has talked about it. Um, I've heard other people talk about it, you know, multiple times. It's like when he's on the field, he looks like he belongs. He's got the hustle. He's got the strength to hold up at the line of scrimmage. He's got the agility and quickness to to get out of his assignment to help finish a play. Um, he looks like he belongs. It's like, why did he not get more playing time? That's still a little bit baffling to me, but his PFF grade was fairly high. So, you know, on, the, on one side you got Quay Walker who had a ton of playing time and produced these tackle numbers, right, and forced fumbles, but he had a low PFF grade, and you could see it on tape why he had a low PFF grade. And then you look at Devontae White, he had limited time, but on tape it's like, man, this guy can really play at this level. And the PFF grade suggested that was true as well. So you kind of look for those two things to merge, those two things to to kind of play off each other and go, okay, that the PFF grade's confirming the tape or the tape is confirming the PFF grade. And that's why you don't want to get lost in statistics too much, right? Um, so excited about Devontae Wyatt. They wrapped it up talking about Aaron Jones. And, I mean, really, there's not a lot to say. He took a pay cut, but it did involve a little more guaranteed money than the original contract it called for. Not overall, but just, you know, kind of looking at the current state of his contract and his future. He was able to get a little bit more guaranteed money than he had already tied up in the contract, but dropped the overall value of the contract, helping the Packers with the cap. Um, but he's the leader of this team, man. And I'm so excited to have Aaron Jones back. It's why I got so frustrated. Hearing, you know, a very it was a very minute group, but some Packer fans just pounding the table. It's time to move on from Aaron Jones. We need to get rid of Aaron Jones. We need to get rid of Bakhtiari. We need to get rid of – and they're, they're literally naming off the best players on the roster we need to get rid of just so you could, quote, unquote, clean the cap up and get draft picks. And I'm just like, what are you – you know, Box still may go. I'm not sold on Box staying. And if they make the decision to let Bach go, it's probably going to be because Aaron went as well. Now, you guys know where I stand on Aaron Rodgers, and I am trying very, very hard to not talk about Aaron Rodgers on this pod right now. There's going to be a decision real soon, and there'll be plenty to talk about there. We'll either be you know, praising Aaron and talking about how he had a great career and, and maybe reliving the memories a bit as we step into the Jordan Love era, or it might be Aaron's coming back and, hey, look, we're reloaded. The thumb's healthy. Let's get a, a few more pieces in here now that we got all this cap room freed up. Did he restructure his contract in a way that helps the Packers cap situation? There'll be plenty to talk about. there, But there is a slight chance he gets traded as well. You guys know all along I've said 60% I think Aaron comes back to the Packers. 30% I think he retires. 10% I think he's traded. That's changed now for me. I feel like it's 50% he returns to the Packers. 
40% he's going to retire, and 10% he gets traded. So everything's still on the table for me. But I'm leaning towards he'll probably return to the Packers, but I'm starting to see that needle move more towards he won't be back with the Packers. Like I'm real close to flipping those and going 50%. He's going to retire, 40% return to the Packers, 10% trade. Right? Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But anyway, trying to stay away from the Aaron Rodgers topic and give you guys some better content as far as more, you know, well-rounded. So let's move into the RAS scores. You guys know uh, they've been dropping like crazy. As I'm recording this, the combine is going on, okay? So we're going to give you the most up-to-date that I have my hands on right now. We're going to talk about the top RASs. For those of you who don't know, RAS score is relative athletic score. You can find it on ras.football. Don't let these draft gurus pretend like they're the ones coming, you know, taking credit for those, those you know, being the people that's coming up with the scores and, and, and all this information. It's amazing how people take all of this stuff and then try to make it as if they found it. You can find that yourself. You don't have to depend on anyone else. Go to ras.football, and you can find all that information, and they've done a great job organizing and stockpiling all those numbers from past drafts as well. So um, it's it's starting off with the perfect grade is a 10.0, okay? What I'm going to do is list off all of those that finish 9.95, and there's not many of them. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players at the moment, okay? So let's jump right into it. The top, there's two 10.0 RASs so far in this year's draft class, okay? Um, number one is quarterback Anthony Richardson. No surprise whatsoever for me. The dude is six foot four. We knew he was going to run a sub four five forty. We know he has arm strength. We knew that he was going to tear the combine up. This is why it's so important. And I, I had an exchange. I think the guy's name was Tim in a text message, and he was asking um, what I meant by my draft board and how I create it um, as we go through, uh, you know, the whole offseason progress or process. And the way I look at that is I want as much information as possible before the combine and the pro day information comes in. Because once that information comes in, some people overreact. In my opinion, they do. It doesn't mean I'm right, but I feel like they overcompensate for what these players do in gym shorts, you know, AKA underwear, running around throwing the football and running 40 yard dashes and cone drills. It's important. It's very important. And it's definitely something that I put into the equation for my draft board, but some people put way too much weight into it. So if you wait, until after this uh, process with the combine mainly, and then, of course, the pro day, and then you compile your general information for your draft board, then what you've done is you've already uh, been influenced by how important or, you know, uh, you know, maybe not so important that people see these drills. So I got my basis for my draft board before all of this information dropped, and then I add in my modifiers, okay? So – with the RAS, Anthony Richardson, 10.0, not a surprise at all to me. Um, let's see. Uh, and, and here's what's – I've got little notes next to these guys as well, okay? Um, for Anthony Richardson in that 10.0, he still didn't pass Will Levis on my draft board. And you guys know I'm a Kentucky fan, but I've been very, very down on Will Levis. If the draft had happened after last year, Will Levis, I mean, he would have been considered the top quarterback in the draft. Right. But he struggled. Now, why did he struggle? He struggled because he had two different coordinators. He struggled because he had injuries. He had a, an injury to his hand. You guys know I got tickets to go up there and watch him play against Spencer Rattler um, uh, in, uh, you know, against South Carolina. 
Sure enough, show up on game day, game day, game time decision. He didn't play because of his hand. I believe it was a thumb, if I remember correctly, a thumb or a finger that was that was messed up. So um, that's not to make an excuse for him. What I'm getting at is I was kind of down on him. Going into putting this information in, not the RAS, but when I started the draft board process in general this offseason, I was expecting Will Levis to fall to the second round. That's that's how low I was on him. But as the information came in, man, he's right there at the top. And I'm trying to deny it. I'm trying to go, man, I don't want to be the guy that, being a Kentucky and a Notre Dame fan, that these guys fall in place where it looks like I'm just being a homer and putting them at the top of the list. I wanted him to fall so I could – show that I'm unbiased in building the board, but here he is at the top, right? But so so with Anthony Richardson, the reason I mention all that is, and when I say the top, not the top quarterback, but towards the top, I think he's in the second tier. Anthony Richardson, even with that 10.0, didn't pass Will Levis on my board. However, they are in the same tier, so that's worth mentioning there. Um, tied in, Zach Kuntz, uh, 10.0. He's the only other – uh, prospect with a 10.0 uh, RAS score as it sits right now. Guys, he's not even on my critical board. What do I mean by critical board? That's my top 130. He's not even in the top 130 on my board. And this guy had a 10.0. So if I had waited until after the combine, what would have happened? I guarantee you he'd be in my top 100 because he's going to skyrocket up boards because of that RAS, because of the way he performed at the combine. Now, is that important? Yes, I have a modifier that I add in, and it will be added into Zach Kuntz. But why was Zach Kuntz so much lower before the combine? It's because of the tape. It's because what he actually did on the field. It's because of the PFF grade and him being graded out individually. Like, that stuff to me is more important than what these guys do in gym shorts. All right, so um, just understand he's not even on the critical board. Let's move on to number three. You've got cornerback Deontay Banks. As I'm going through this draft board and I'm looking, I'm going, man, Goody was telling the truth. He said this this draft this draft is very cornerback heavy, right? Now, I personally don't think we need a corner. However, if you if you need help at safety, right, and you draft a rookie corner, now are you able to move one of your current corners to safety, right? This is this is going to blow people's mind and it's going to be considered a hot take. But I've thought about this time and time again. Jair Alexander, <laughs> and everybody's going, no, Clayton, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't take him out of the cornerback position. I just, just stick with me here. I'm just spitballing. You know, I see the free safety position as more important than cornerback, right? What if Jair Alexander was moved to free safety? Your That means your free safety position is now covered. You're good, right? Now, some are saying – well, he's not a free safety. Why is he not a free safety? The guy can tackle. The guy has all the athletic ability to cover the way that Ed Reed did. And I'm not suggesting Jay Alexander is a Hall of Famer. I'm saying the athletic ability is there, right? He can tackle. He can cover. What does Jair like to do a lot? He loves to jump routes. He loves to play aggressive. And that's one thing that you've seen Rudy Ford do way better than Darnell Savage when they moved Rudy Ford to the safety position. Right. The thing that Savage did, the reason I don't think Savage works at safety for the Packers is he's very indecisive. He's never going to give up the big play, but he's never going to make the play at the free safety position. And the reason being is he just kind of sits in the middle. He kind of plays everything safe. That's not what Nick Collins did. 
right, for the Packers. That's not what Leroy Butler did, and I know he played a lot of strong safety and blitzing and things like that. It's not That's not how he played the game. He was aggressive. It's darn sure not how Palomalo played, and he played both strong and free safeties at different times in, in, uh, in, in that, that Dick LeBeau slash Dom Capers 34 zone blitz defense. Um, on and on and on. Think of all of the great safeties. Not one of them do you think, man, he just – he, he plays very safe and doesn't give up the big play. Every one of them played aggressive. What if? What if we put Jair at free safety? I'm just saying, you know, if I had to make a decision today on whether I wanted to do that or not, the answer would be no, leave him at corner. But it is something that popped up in my mind because if it's a cornerback-heavy draft and you draft a, a, a young Jair Alexander, let's say – Another Jair Alexander falls to us at number 15, and he's hands down the best player on the board, right? If that happens and you draft him, now you have the freedom to move him to safety or to even move, you know, just one of the other corners. You know, the thing that keeps popping in my mind is Rasul Douglas last year in camp. They played him at safety a bit, right? But immediately my thought goes to, I see this, the free safety position more important than the cornerback position, free safety position being in a tier two position. Corner hasn't cracked tier two yet for me. You're paying Jair all this money. Jair surely could play safety better than Russell Douglas. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And there's going to be people out there that get off my lawn, guys. Go, Come on. Everybody always just thinks you can switch corner to safety. And I get that. But Charles Woodson did it, right? Rod Woodson did it. I don't know what it is about the name Woodson and DBs, but, man, they're good. Um, those two guys did it, right? I think McAllister did it in Baltimore at one point. So it's not like it's never been done before. And if you truly want to stick to the best available on the board and it is a corner, you you kind of now get a top-tier prospect for the safety position, although – there isn't a top-tier prospect at the safety position in this draft by moving someone like that to safety and taking a top-tier corner. It's just something to think about, okay? Again, not saying that would be my decision, but these are the things that go through my mind as we're compiling the data and going, how can we utilize the strength of this year's draft to best benefit the Green Bay Packers, right? That's something that popped up. So Deontay Banks, 9.99, he is number 29 on my critical board right now. Okay, and that's after the modifier. So the RAS has been added. It's been modified. He's number 29 on my board. Uh, the third be- or fourth best RAS was linebacker Jack Campbell, 9.98. He is number 67 on my critical board. Uh, number, let's see, the uh, sixth or one, two, three, four, fifth best uh, in RAS is cornerback Christian Gonzalez, 9.96. He's number eight on my critical board. So let's take Christian Gonzalez. Let's pretend Christian Gonzalez falls to the Packers at number 15, right? He's number eight on my board, which means he's a tier two talent, right? You get a tier two talent and you're drafting in a tier four spot. You throw Christian Gonzalez a corner and you move one of our corners to free safety. You now free up free safety. And you, you, you may be sitting there going, what makes you think they would be willing to do that? What did Brian Gutekunst say in his last presser? or his last interview, whatever you want to call it. We're going to put the best five guys out there. He's not talking about the best five corners. He's talking about the best five DBs, meaning I don't care if they play corner or safety. We're going to put the best five DBs, the best nickel defense out there as far as secondary is concerned. You know, five DBs being nickel, 
the majority of the teams in the league are in 11 personnel. He's kind of alluding to that, and then he went on to say, you know, this is a cornerback-heavy draft. So here's Christian Gonzalez at number eight. If he fell to the Packers and they drafted him at number 15, slid him to corner, moved Ja or Douglas to safety, that secondary just got better. Just something to think about, all right? Um, this is why I love going through this information because it's so thought-provoking entire the whole and, and you know throughout the entire process. And it's why I love draft season. It's just it's amazing. Um, so again, he's number eight on my critical board. The next one on the list is wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton, 9.96 RAS. He's not even on my top 130. Guys, he's gonna skyrocket. Now you got to hit pause here and go. Christian Watson last year. People were comparing those two, right? Uh, Ford Wheaton and his combine numbers, Christian Watson and his combine numbers from last year. Christian Watson, for me, wasn't the ideal prospect because I'm not crazy about the combine, and he absolutely tore it up, right? But Christian Watson was already higher on my board in this process. Christian Watson was in the top 50, okay, on my critical board at the point of the combine last year. And then he jumped up from 50 to 45, okay? Or not 45, around 43, I believe. This guy's not even in the top 130. Why is he not in the top 130? Now, this is where you got to think. In the past, think of players similar to this, right? And and there's a bunch of them that come to mind, and I can't remember their names right offhand, but there were so many times that uh, one that comes to mind is Ross. You guys remember Ross, the wide receiver that – Absolutely torched the 40-yard dash, went crazy. They drafted him. I think he might be out of the league now. If he's not, he's definitely not a starting wide receiver. Um, that's another example of how people fall in love with the RASs. They fall in love with the 40 times and the combine numbers and all that. And you put them on the football field, and they they can't perform at that level in which they were drafted. So he kind of falls into that camp for me. I'm not saying he can't break into the uh, critical board. There'll be plenty, of, uh, plenty enough time for him to break onto the critical board, but right now he's off of it and he recorded a 9.96 RAS. Last but surely not least is another tight end, Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave, 9.95 after the modifier. He's now number 27 on my critical board. He did himself some some. Uh, he did himself a really, really big favor. Now, honorable mention, I'm going to mention Darnell Washington because Darnell Washington was a 9.90, and we know he is uh, up there towards the top, um, top of the critical board. So, what I'm when I'm coming away from these RAS scores learning is cornerback and tight end heavy draft, period, case closed. Weak safety class, in my opinion. When I say weak, I'm not saying these players can't play at the next level. I'm just saying globally comparing to the other positions, there's much more options, many more options at tight end and corner than there is safety, okay? Um, so that's kind of what I come away from the RAS with. Um, now let's jump into – uh, the draft board itself, and just kind of talk about this draft board globally, and then we'll get you guys out of here. First, let's take us a quick commercial break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the draft board itself, okay? Again, my board is not complete. There's combine drills going on at this very moment that are going to affect this, but I'm going to give you the most up-to-date information I can based on what I have at the moment. I'm going to sort it by overall value. And here are the things, just some quick notes that I've got here, okay? First of all, like I said, it's unfinished. We've got three top-tier players as it sits right now. Those players are Jalen Carter at number one, edge defender Will Anderson at number two, and quarterback Bryce Young at number three, okay? Those are the very top tier. There's only three players in that top tier. That's going to probably change with the RAS modifiers for the remaining combine and then, of course, the pro days coming up, okay? Um, Because some of these guys are showing incomplete RASs at the moment, and other guys have already had modifiers applied. So three players in the top three, that's something definitely worth noting. There are four quarterbacks worthy of the number one pick in this draft, in my opinion. You're going, whoa, 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 Clayton, what are you talking about? Let me explain. You guys know Greg Cosell came up with this. He kind of coined the phrase. Um, there's there's two different drafts every April. There's the normal NFL draft for every position, and then there's the quarterback draft. Everyone treats quarterback as a higher priority uh, than any other position in the entire league. Now, you guys know I see quarterback, left tackle, and edge all as on equal playing fields there. However, there's such a shortage for elite quarterbacks that it gets bumped up one tier, meaning you're willing to draft those players one tier sooner than the board suggests. Okay, so why did I say there's four players worthy of the number one pick? Because you've got quarterback Bryce Young, who's hands down the best quarterback in this draft, in my opinion. He's a tier one player. Next, I've got C.J. Stroud. He's a tier two player. Next, I have Will Levis. He's a tier uh, a tier three player. Actually, hold up. Let's look here. He he's a tier two player as well. And then you got Anthony Richardson after his combine modifier has now climbed up into tier three. So you've got three quarterbacks in tier two. Okay, in Richardson, Will Levis, and C.J. Stroud, and then you've got one tier one quarterback prospect in Bryce Young. So. If it was just a quarterback draft, which is exactly what uh, exactly what uh, Greg Cosell suggests, uh, or you know says the uh, the NFL does every year, they treat quarterbacks way more valuable than they do any other position. Then it's Bryce Young in tier one, C.J. Stroud tier two, Will Levis tier two, and Anthony Richardson tier two. So seeing that they're tier two, they are worthy of a tier one. They're worthy of that number one pick. So now when C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young get their RAS scores in, whether it's in pro day, uh, whatever you know it may be as far as combine, that may change. But as it sits right now, all four quarterbacks, in my opinion, are worthy of a number one pick. Now, that doesn't mean you, you should feel just as good about taking Anthony Richardson over Bryce Young, right, or uh, Will Levis over Bryce Young. No. Bryce Young is hands down the better quarterback, in my opinion. 
C.J. Stroud is hands down the second best quarterback. Will Levis is the third. Anthony Richardson is the fourth. So I would draft them in that order. So, I mean, if let's assume the rest of the league has their boards set exactly the same way. We know that's not the case, but let's assume it for a moment. That means these these teams these uh, that are looking for a quarterback would be willing to climb up and make sure they get one of these four quarterbacks. Now, obviously, there's some teams, and Greg Cosell does a great job highlighting this on Ross Tucker's podcast. There's some teams that value mobility more than just pocket presence and pocket passing. The thing that knocks Anthony Richards down, Richardson down so far is his accuracy or, in, or lack thereof and his inability to play within the pocket. It's it's you can watch the tape and go, ah, you can see the highlight throws and go, oh, he threw that from the pocket. If you watch the entirety and you look at the numbers and his completion percentage, it's like, yeah, he's not as polished as these other guys. Will Levis definitely isn't as polished as CJ Stroud. And of course, CJ Stroud isn't as polished as Bryce Young, in my opinion, and his ability to maneuver within the pocket, cool under pressure, deliver the football with with accuracy, but with timing as well, and to be able to layer the throws in over certain defenses, whether it's a, a two-sink, a three-buzz, a three-sky, whatever it may be, being able to uh, layer it with trajectory. So comes to the quarterbacks, man. All of my information indicate this is a, a stout quarterback class, and all for different reasons. Bryce Young, in my opinion, is pro-ready. C.J. Stroud might be the best passer in this, in this uh, draft class. Will Levis might have the best arm strength, but also the quickest release. And Anthony Richardson is a freak with his mobility. So what teams will value those the most, right? I'd be really, really surprised if one of those four quarterbacks fall out of the top ten. I really would, based on the information as it sits right now. Now, as the RAS has come in for all offensive linemen and the rest of the defensive linemen and everything, there may be people leapfrog a couple of those guys, and there probably will. And then those tiers will scatter out a bit, and we'll revisit that in a future podcast. All right, let's move on to the next thing I got wrote down here. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. Even with Anthony Richardson's absolutely perfect combine, 10.0 RAS as it sits right now, Levis is showing incomplete because he didn't run. Now, you could see his mobility thrown on the run and things like that with drills, but even without Levis having that RAS, let's assume Levis um, finished with a 7.0 RAS. He's still if if he bombs out the RAS, I still have him higher than Richardson. So he's only going to go up a little bit more if he performs well during a pro day. If he does decide to run, or however he decides to handle that, I I understand why players won't run. It's like Anthony Richardson; he ran the four 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 the very first time, and you know he probably could have ran it faster. But they said, nope, that's it. Scratch it. That's good enough. Anything sub four or five. You've got you can only lose after that. If he comes out and he runs a four or five two the second time, and God forbid he blows a knee out or pulls a hammy or something, that's only going to hurt him. Four 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 is plenty good enough. Daniel Jeremiah talked about that live when he was running, done a great job breaking that down. So, but even with that strong RAS, I've got Levis slightly higher than uh, Richardson on the big board, but they're in the same tier. Now, six players at elite positions. Let's talk about this for a second. Um, there are six players at elite positions. The elite positions. Quarterback, offensive tackle, and edge, okay? Um, six of these players within these positions, in my opinion, are all worthy of the number one pick based off the tier that they fall in. Let's talk about those players, okay? Um, you've got edge defender Will Anderson. You've got 
quarterback Bryce Young. You've got quarterback C.J. Stroud. You've got quarterback Will Levis, right? You've got edge defender Tyree Wilson. You've got quarterback Anthony Richardson. And you've got uh, – yeah, that's the six right there. So six players, in my opinion, if someone climbed up and took them with the number one pick, I would be totally cool with because they're elite positions within one tier of that top spot. Um, now let's talk about the Packers more specifically. When the Packers pick at number 15, okay, I like to do two different exercises. Let's start with the 15 slot, okay. At the 15 slot, what players 15 and below would we have our hands on? Let's assume that the draft falls perfectly into place with how I have it here. And the 14 players, 1 through 14, ranking on my critical board, all go in that order, or it don't matter what order they go in, all 14 of them are off the board when the Packers pick at number 15. What players are available? Best available, B. John Robinson, Joey Porter, Brian Branch, Broderick Jones, Quentin Johnston, and Jackson Smith-Nijba. Okay, those are the first ones that come to mind. So at number 15, what players make the most sense? Number 17 on my board is Brian Branch, safety. So if you take Brian Branch, and he is the best available or in that top tier of best available. It's a position of need at safety. You no longer have to worry about all the cornerback switch and the safety talk that we just talked about, right? Um, he's the best, you know, and, and some people are going to look at his RAS and go, yeah, but he didn't run a good 40 time. You know who else didn't run a good 40 time? We've come full circle. And I'm not suggesting that Brian Branch is going to be as good as Kyle Hamilton. But Kyle Hamilton last year was my number two prospect on the board. And what happened? He fell all the way to 14 because of a wonky 40 time, right? So that's why it's so important to have this board established before these numbers come in. And it just so happens it's a safety again. So at number 17, you got safety Brian Branch. Number 18 on my critical board, offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Number 19 on my board, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver. And number 20, wide receiver Jackson uh, Smith-Nijba, who has climbed up the ranks now, um, having a great uh, a great combine, um, going to have the maximum modifier for me. Um, that's, you know, to me, he is he's right there now in the same tier with Quentin Johnson. As were before, he was probably one tier lower. So now you've got those two receivers coming in the target zone. So why do I mention those players? If I had to guess right now, and, and I was going to put money on what player do we think the Packers are going to take right now. This is the pool of four that I would choose from. Granted, the combine isn't finished. I have to keep, uh, you know, mentioning that because I don't want you guys to get the idea that this is, uh, you know, finality. We've still got the combine to finish up, and we've got the pro days. But safety Brian Branch, offensive tackle Broderick Jones, wide receiver Quentin Johnson, wide receiver Jackson Smith, Nijba. Some people are going, Clayton, didn't Brian Branch drop on your board? He may have dropped on the board, but it's not because I penalized him for his combine. I don't do that. I only give people bonuses for having a great combine. Why? Because the tape is more important than me. And Brian Branch on the tape shows me that he has all the athletic ability needed to be able to play the safety position. Now, how will he convert out of that great Alabama culture and go to possibly a bad team, not suggesting the Packers are a bad team, but whatever team he goes on. If he goes into a bad culture locker room where there's a a GM and a head coach who are on the hot seat and the players might not be completely buying in, or at least the whole locker room won't be buying in, that can really affect how a player plays at the next level. I, I'm a firm believer that there's been great football players 
who have had mediocre careers because of the situation they were put in. I'm kind of like Mike McCarthy. I personally believe there are no bad players in the NFL. There's good players and there's great players. And the difference between good players and great players is the situation they're put in and how coaching staffs maximize their ability and what they do really well, right? And you've got, of course, the elite slash Hall of Famers who just had that extra something where they they were not going to be denied. They were going to outwork everyone. They were going to outstudy everyone and make sure that they were at the top of the craft. So that's important for me, those four players. Now let's do one more exercise. We're going to get out of here. Let's talk about players that might potentially fall to the Packers. I'm not going to get too unrealistic. Assuming my board matches up with every GM across the league, we know it doesn't. Let's just play you know, devil's advocate here for a second. If that was the case, let's assume that there's a chance prospects from 10 to 15 drop to us, okay? Let's talk about the players that I would take if they were to drop to us. And of these, what's really cool is you've got four of the five I'm going to mention are elite positions, all of them being offensive tackle, two being offensive tackle, two being edge, and there's also a wide receiver in there, okay? Number 10 on my board is offensive tackle Peter Skaronsky, okay? If he were to fall to the Packers, Absolutely, I would take him. Number 11 is offensive tackle Paris Johnson. If he were to fall to the Packers, I would take him. Um, number 12, edge defender Miles Murphy. Um, if he were to fall to the Packers and those other two tackles were gone, he would be my top pick. Number 13, wide receiver Jordan Addison. If he were to fall to the Packers and these other four prospects weren't available, he was the top tier, I'd be totally cool with taking Jordan Addison. And then, of course, number 14 on the list, edge defender Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness had a great combine, maximum modifier from the combine, the RAS score. He climbed up the board quite a bit. And that's a name, you know, last year the name that kept popping up to me was Devontae Wyatt. And I got criticized because of his age. And I understand why why people criticize that because there's been all these people that cover the Packers that are constantly saying, well, no, they won't take him because he's too old. Age really matters. And it was funny watching Ryan roast all those people when they took Devontae Wyatt last year. But Devontae Wyatt was the name that kept popping up every single time that I would do a mock draft or I'd put myself in a position, well, what if these players, what if these teams trade up and take these uh, specific positions? Devontae Wyatt was the one common play, common name that kept popping up. This year, the one that keeps popping up for me is Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness and Broderick Jones are the two that keep popping up. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the favorite for the Packers to take. But I have to mention that because it, that's the, it's the same. I got to draw that parallel from last year because it happens over and over and over this year when I do these exercises. So what did we do? We talked about the RAS. We talked about the critical board as it sits right now before the rest of the information comes in. Um, we also touched on players below the number 15 spot, 15 and below, that I think the Packers have a realistic chance of taking. Some people are saying, why not B. John Robinson? I know Mike, the super fans listening to this going, you didn't mention B. John. B. John is definitely at the top of that next tier, starting in the number 15 spot. But I do not see halfback as an elite position, and it's not a position of need for the Packers right now, right? If B. John Robinson, if the Packers were to trade back, let's say the Packers traded back to the back of the first round, right? They traded back, and then B. John Robinson was there. Let's say they traded back to 28, and at number 28, B. John Robinson was hands down the best player on the board. He would probably be two or three tiers higher than the player that uh, the next best player on my board, then at that point, absolutely take B. John. But right now, I can't justify even looking at halfback, especially when we've got, you know, safety, offensive tackle, and wide receivers sitting there. And we all know those are uh, more need 
than uh, or a higher need for the Packers than halfback. Again, B. John Robinson looks like a beast to me, man. He really does. But you've got to look at the roster, and it's not it's not reaching. You may be saying, oh, you're reaching for a lesser talent for a position of need. No, not at all. Because these players we're talking about are in the same tier of talent. Brian Branch is the same tier of talent as B. John Robinson, in my opinion. Um, so it's important to kind of point those things out. Um, notice there was no corners that got brought up. The way the board sits right now, 10 through 15, there's no cornerbacks. So everything that we talked about with a, a potential cornerback uh, being drafted and moving one of our current corners to safety doesn't really apply here because the board doesn't line up that way. But again, if somebody comes out and they let's say they take Witherspoon around the number five spot, cornerback Witherspoon out of Illinois, right? And they let's say that they don't take uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez, but they do take, uh, you know, Joey Porter and Christian Gonzalez falls down to us at 15. I mean, Christian Gonzalez is uh, number eight on my board. He's a tier two talent, a tier two being selected at tier four. That is a no freaking brainer guys. You do that. <laughs> so you take Christian Gonzalez and now you have the conversation. Do you want to play Christian Gonzalez at safety or do you want to move one of our current corners to safety? Right. And, and all of this stems from the fact that it's a weak draft class. Now, if you're talking about Christian Gonzalez and taking him in the number 15 spot over Brian Branch, at that point you may be looking up and going, there's multiple tackles, there's multiple edge defenders, there, there's uh, multiple DBs slash, you know, cornerback slash safety. And uh, you know what? Let's let's risk it here. We've got whoever, Denver, who's, you know, a few three spots behind us that wanted to trade potentially. Let's give them a call. You still want to trade up? Absolutely we do. Okay, cool. Let them trade up three spots. Why? Because now you have six players in the current tier pool and you're willing to go any route there. And let's say they trade up three spots and give you an extra fourth, right? You're building draft draft capital and that will come in huge. Imagine drafting another Zach Tom in the fourth round or later, you know, as, as Zach Tom was taken. I mean, that could be huge. Why? The rookie contracts. Why? We're playing the cash over cap game. And that's how you win in the cash over cap game. You've got to take multiple swings in the draft. You've got to hit on late draft picks that are going to contribute to your team on a consistent basis so you can capitalize on the CBA's new rookie contract slotting system. Right. And anytime you get past the third round, it's game on. You get one of those rookies locked up in a four year deal and they play quote unquote starter starting caliber at that level. Um, it's not going to justify giving them a contract extension after two years. You're probably going to allow them to play that entire rookie contract out because they don't have that much leverage, but they're contributing to the team uh, very, very significantly. So there's one thing I want to mention in this last segment, guys. Lucas Van Ness keeps popping up to me. Lucas Van Ness keeps popping up to me, and Broderick Jones is the other. Lucas Van Ness more than Broderick Jones, but – I would be cool with either of them. You take Broderick Jones, plug him in at right tackle, and now you're you've got that extra depth there with Zach Tom. You don't have to uh, you know offer three or four million um, and and that tender or whatever it is for Yash Nijman. Um, you now save that three or four million long term, which we know will roll over no matter how you structure it. That's three million that will go towards the black for us, right, to get us back into the positive and keep us in the positive in the future. Um, there's a lot of different ways this draft can go, and it's going to be exciting. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I hope I conveyed it, explained it enough that it made sense to you because it can be very difficult to do this on a podcast without you visually being able to see the board. But we kind of hit on a different, uh, several different e exercises there as these combine numbers come in. 
Tuesday, I will do something very similar because I'll have updated combine numbers. And who knows, we might have a decision by, uh, from Aaron Rodgers at that point. I'm getting excited for the finality um, of, of, you know, kind of finding out what the Packers are going to do, right? Is Aaron going to return? I would be excited if Aaron returns. That would be awesome. be great, right? Four-time MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback at the helm again. Hopefully we can get Jordan Love's contract extension done and uh, and keep him kind of step into that as Aaron walks away next year. Will the contract be modified? We don't know, right? Um, will Aaron decide to retire? If he does, it's the Jordan Love era, baby. Let's get behind 10 and let's go. Right. Because and it, and it is exciting if that happens, because it's it's a new era. It's a new beginning, man. We all get to experience everything we experienced with past quarterbacks. Right. And, and Aaron Rodgers stepping in, you know, immediately following a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback and one that turned into a villain there at the end with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, it's there's just so many storylines that that now unfold. And it's Jordan Love. What contract? What will his contract extension look like? Will it be will it look the way I mentioned where? You know, it's a hundred million guaranteed, but only fifteen million cap hit early, where we can kind of reload the roster now and build around him. Or, you know, do they surprise us and trade Jordan Love? That's not off the table. I hope that doesn't happen because I, I think Jordan Love is exactly what we need as the next starting quarterback, you know. Or does Aaron get traded and we get surprised with some picks, right? I don't know what the draft compensation is. That's what blows my mind. Like, because you listen to some and all year long they talked about Aaron being horrible. And I'm like, okay, if he's a horrible quarterback, we only get a third for Brett. Maybe we get a third conditionally, a second or a first. Then you know, on the other side, you got people saying we're going to get two firsts and three seconds. And I'm going, whoa, I thought he was bad. It's just – it could go any direction. And what's crazy is it's building and building and building. And now we're getting into that red zone where it's, okay, a decision's coming soon. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, some of the rumblings I'm hearing behind the scenes, I don't want to put too much stock in because nobody will – stamp a source and it's all just kind of quote unquote circumstantial, right? But it kind of feels like, okay, there's some of this stuff is feeling like maybe Aaron is exploring a trade. Um, I don't know though, man. I don't want to say either way because when you guys listen to this pod, I want everything to be factual. I want it to be not from speculation, maybe a little bit of opinion, but no speculation and simply here's what's being said. Nothing is concrete yet. But when we get the answer, man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be time to to uh, to turn the page. And all right, Aaron's at the helm. Aaron's gone. Jordan's at the helm. Whatever it may be, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited about walking through it with you guys. So um, draft season's always a blast, guys. Appreciate you taking time to hang out with us. If you listen to this on Monday, hope you have an awesome work day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go back, go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's good. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.